Welcome back to Friends Who Trek Together. We are two friends watching Star Trek together and living through the pandemic together. Hopefully, friends who trek together make it through pandemics together. We've been watching Star Trek Voyager and we just finished season one. So this week on the podcast, we'll be talking about the last three episodes of season one, which are Faces, Jatrell, and Learning Curve. Uh, If you like Star Trek but don't necessarily have time for a podcast, you can find us on social media as well. I've been posting screen caps mainly as we watch through Voyager. So we're at Friends Who Trek Together on Instagram, and we're on Tumblr at friendswhotrektogether.tumblr.com. And if you're a Trekkie who's not following any Star Trek meme accounts on social media, I have to say I highly recommend it. I wasn't for a long time, but I recently started exploring Star Trek content on Instagram and Tumblr, and I don't know why I haven't been doing it all along, because it's a lot of fun. Uh, Poor Sarah isn't able to do too much of it yet because of spoilers. (sighs) No, not yet. (laughs) But you can at least follow... Our accounts, because I won't post any spoilers, yeah, yeah, I yeah. promise. <laughs> have you been following? Have you seen the things I've been posting? Uh, I have not been up to date on Tumblr, but everything else I'm on top of. Okay. How's your pandemic going? It's going all right. Um, actually, this is like perfect timing as far as where we are in the season, I guess. But I have a job again. Yay! So... I'm still working from home. I'll still have plenty of time to watch Star Trek, but, like, talk about that timing in terms of yeah. um, the trajectory of this podcast. Yeah, it was good timing. Yeah. I, we've gotten into the groove, and I, yeah. you know, feel like you know what you need to do to keep this going. And mm-hmm. that's awesome that you have paid work again. Yeah. Yay. It's very exciting. I'm glad, because I did think they were going to have you waiting a lot longer. Oh, so. I definitely did. I'm glad they figured that out for you. Yeah, so how's how's that been? How's the new-ish project? Because your job is different than what you were doing before, obviously, since you can't go into the building. Yeah, it's a lot of data entry, really, and just like cleaning up catalogs and stuff like that. So it's not exciting work, but it's work that really should be done, and they've never had time to pay people to do it so now they do now that you're forced to do something you have to be able to do at home yeah and they managed to find work that was like that that still is relevant to like the normal work that I do if that makes sense like the subject matter is similar even though it's a different kind of work hopefully that will last long enough to get to the point where we're allowed back in the building and I won't be unemployed again in six months. That sounds like better than not having a job. <laughs> For sure. Because hopefully in six months, like, God, I hope we're allowed back in I the building. I hope things are back to normal. Yeah. yeah in or six like months. As normal, like normal-ish, right? Yeah. Ish. I hope that you have a job well before that. Yeah, I hope so. The things that have looked the most interesting so far are not in the city I currently live in. Mm-hmm. So it would mean moving, which I'm up for, but it also just seems like not the right time for a lot of reasons. One of them for me is just that I finally landed in this situation where I really like where I live and I really like like the neighborhood I'm in and the neighbors mm-hmm. I have. And I would be really sad if I left it to go 
live in a new place where I won't know anybody or any of my neighbors. Yeah. It just seems like a bad time for that. So I'll keep looking around, see what I find, see what happens. Mm -hmm. The one other semi-exciting thing happening for me right now is that it's actually starting to get kind of chilly outside. We had a couple of moments in October where it got chilly for maybe a day and we thought we were finally going to get a break from the heat and then it just got hot again, <laughs> like in the 90s. But this week it's finally like getting down into the 70s and even the 50s and that's been nice because it felt like the heat would never end. It was one of the hottest summers on record so it's nice to be able to go outside and wear long sleeves and a sweater i've started wearing tights when i go out now too which Mm -hmm. i enjoy a lot right yeah i've got some fleece lined tights Mm -hmm. on right now so cozy and i've been drinking a lot of hot chocolate recently been in a hot chocolate mood i should drink more hot chocolate so okay Star Trek. Star Trek. How did you like this week's episodes? Um, <laughs> they're not my favorite. I okay. like, there were things about the first two episodes I liked. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked and appreciated what they were trying to do, but I just thought they, like, didn't get there. Yeah, I I felt similarly, especially about the second one, Jatrell. Yeah. Um, and then the last episode, I just didn't like. Okay. It's a Tuvok episode, which is disappointing to me. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm interested to talk about that because I think that's the one I like best out of the three. It's frustrating in ways that are different from the other two. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? It was more, it was just like, it was a weird finale episode. Oh, yeah. I'll say, I don't think it was originally supposed to be the finale, I feel like when I looked at the list of episodes on Wikipedia, I saw something about how, like, there were some episodes that were supposed to be at the end of season one that they put into season two, and who knows why. But yeah, it was not like a finale at all. It was just like a normal middle-of-the-season episode. It felt like a very weird end to the season. If it were just a filler episode, I might have been a little more okay with it. I was still, like, annoyed and kind of frustrated, but... I I didn't hate any of the episodes, but I just had a lot of, like, conflicted feelings about all three, I guess. I had a lot of conflicted feelings about the first one. So the first episode we watched was called Faces. Mm -hmm. It's a Balana episode where we meet the Vidians again. So they're those aliens who took Neelix's lungs uh, a little while back. So we encounter the Vidians again, and this time they take... Tom and Bellana and another crewman captive, and they're making them like work in their mines, like like prison labor basically. And they take Bellana and s- somehow split her into two people: one human and one Klingon. Of course, Bellana has a human parent and a Klingon parent, and so they split her into a a human being and a Klingon being. And then she has to like deal with her different, her duality, I guess, and her different halves. And I, I mean, what are your thoughts? I don't even quite know. I'm not. 
I, I'm, I'm not totally on board with this concept. I didn't like it. I am I also disappointed because I was really looking forward to an episode where Balana kind of deals with this because she has she yeah. clearly has kind of some like conflicting feelings about about being part Klingon, but when you're like mixed, you're not half one thing and half another yeah, thing that like fits exactly. together and can easily be yeah. separated. You're like one whole being. And yeah. all of those different parts of you make you one, like, whole being. You're not two halves, even though that's often how we, like, talk about it, because it's just an easy way to, like, explain yourself to people. But that's not how things work. And I had even maybe hoped that by the end of it, she would at least come to that realization, right? Like, this splitting her in half is a thing, like, a sci-fi fantasy thing that they did to get her to that realization. But at the end, she's kind of... She's still, like... She seems uh, upset that the doctor wants to reintegrate her Klingon DNA. Because, so, she gets split, and then at the end of the episode, Klingon Balana dies. And then we're left with human Balana, and they're in sickbay. And the doctor's like, alright, so yeah, I'll be able to reincorporate your Klingon DNA. And she's like, wait, you're not saying you're gonna change me back. And he's like, well, yeah, we have to. Otherwise, you won't survive. Mm -hmm. And she, like, seems upset about it. Yeah. Well, there's also a point where she kind of says that, like, that, like, Klingon part of her is important, but in a way that is also, like, not really great. Because she says, she first says that she's never felt more, like, at peace than she does without her Klingon, like, DNA. (sighs) Yeah. And then she says... Oh, well, despite all of that, I've had someone else living inside of me for so long that this feels wrong without her. But, like, she's not someone else. She's you. You're both. That's all you. And I just... Yeah. Like, I had high hopes for this at first, and it was deeply disappointing. I Yeah, that's more or less how I felt. I just didn't really like the way that it... In the end, it felt like she was human... With, with some Klingon, Klingon in thrown in, mm-hmm. that is a hindrance. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess in some ways she also accepts that she needs her Klingon parts by the end, but it still felt, I don't know, I didn't really like, I didn't fully like the way it ended up. The message got a little garbled at the end, yeah. and it felt a little bit like the the human portion is the true Balana. Yeah. I didn't I didn't like that at all. If the if the writing was better and more nuanced, it could have been fine. Maybe not yeah. amazing, but like better. But this was just like I was not also great. a little bothered by how they're trying to say that her human half likes engineering and her Klingon half likes being angry. Yeah. But that's not that's those are stereotypes of yeah. those, and that's not. You it's know, not. There it are was, Klingon engineers, and there are humans who like fighting and being angry. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was not at all how I wanted that storyline to go. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of disappointing. There are some other little bits and pieces of this episode I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of the episode, they mentioned the Avery mm-hmm. system. And I was wondering if that's uh, 
a little bit of a shout out to the actor who plays Captain Sisko on Deep Space Nine, whose name is Avery Brooks. I oh. can't help but feel like that has to be a yeah a little nod to him, and so I like that. I thought That's that was cute. nice. Also, at the beginning of the episode, Neelix makes plumic soup for Tuvok. Plumic soup was first introduced in the original series. And what I think is a very well-loved episode of the original series called A Mock Time, uh, where Spock is going through some stuff and Nurse Chapel makes him a bowl of plumbing soup <gasps> to try to, like, be nice to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where that came from. So the, Neelix makes two boxes of plumbing soup. Oh, but then he ruins it, which was yeah. also annoying to me. He, he he was like, I tried to make plumic soup, but it was so plain. I had to, like, add some of my own spices or whatever yeah. to, like, make it a little more interesting. And Tuvok's like, okay, so then it's not plumic yeah. soup anymore. Yeah. You can't give me a taste of home that way. Yeah. I didn't like that. That made me... I'm still very, like, on the fence about Neelix. I guess I... I don't really like him, but I'm trying to keep my mind open. But then he does stuff like that, and I'm like, Neelix, what if are he, you, what? If he <laughs> were making it for himself, and we're like, this base sounds really interesting, I'm going to add this stuff to make it, some, like, to create something new for me, that would be fine. But him going into Tuvok and saying, yeah. hey, you homesick, let me give you this taste of home and making it in a way that Tuvok can't even eat is not helpful. Yeah. Um, um, I have a Paris thing to talk about. Oh, yeah, okay. If you are ready to, like, talk about him. Yeah, I, yeah, actually, I would like to talk about him in this episode. So, one of the things that, like, really got me was when human Bellana is explaining her like childhood to Tom and tells him how she used to try to cover her forehead because she, people would treat her differently. He says, Oh, <laughs> I get oh, it. Yeah. I used to wear a hat at the beginning of the year because of yeah. my dad's terrible haircuts. I totally understand what you feel like. Jesus, yeah, Tom. That whole, that whole conversation. That whole conversation was weird because she kept, she was so upset and she kept saying like this and that, whatever. And every response he gave was something like that. That was just like not helpful, not really relevant. Yeah. Like, yeah, what are you talking about? You used to hide your, your haircuts? That's not on the same level. Yeah. As what she's talking about here, being well, discriminated is- against for <laughs> being Klingon, living in a place where she was one of the only Klingons God. at a time when the Federation and the Klingons weren't on, like, that does not compare <laughs> to your, yeah. your dad making you get bad haircuts. Yeah, that's not <sighs> a real problem, Tom. Then she tells him, she confides that, like, she always thought her father left them because she looked Klingon. And he says, well, you got what you wanted now, right? Uh, Bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's what? not an appropriate response to any of this. I know. Last week, the three episodes we watched, he was doing pretty good, I thought, in terms of... I mean, he didn't really do much in any of those episodes. Yeah. He just had brief little lines, but they were all, like, fairly enjoyable, I guess. They yeah. were, like, making me like him a little more. And then in this episode... 
he just said all that dumb stuff in that conversation, and I was like, Tom, what are you talking about? I mean, I do, to be fair, I do sympathize with, like, not knowing what to say mm-hmm. and just saying anything because, like, yeah. you don't know what to say. So, you know, that could be part he, of that, but... He was being really, like, stupid and not thoughtful, but he's done worse. Like, he was trying, I guess, right? Yeah. He he wasn't just, like, intentional at being an asshole, right? He was trying, and he was, in the episode, overall, generally encouraging and supportive and... And yeah. trying to, like, help her while she was struggling. Yeah, but it that was conversation just, was bad. Yeah, the things he was saying, not so good. Things he was doing were better. Yeah. Like, he was, like, his actions were trying to be encouraging and supportive. So I guess I could say he may have just, like, not known what to say, and that's not always your fault. If you can't really relate, what are you supposed to do? Bolana both times just doesn't even really respond to what he's saying and it's just yeah. kind of like well moving on <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's she's, true she's never she just like, like ignores oh, it right like that's she hasn't even tried to like acknowledge that what he's saying is like yeah of any value at all she, she just, just moves keeps on. talking <laughs> yeah um okay some other things that happen in this episode we meet another Talaxian. Yeah. Um, I think this is the first other Talaxian we've met, other than Neelix. Um, the Vidian, who is who has captured Klingon Balana and is experimenting on her because he believes that Klingons will be immune to the phage that is killing the Vidians, um, thinks it would be helpful to kill her crewmate... And graft his face onto his own mm-hmm. face. Why mm-hmm. did he think that would be a good idea? Why did he think she'd like that face? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. He gives all these speeches to her about how, I know I look grotesque, but I'm just, you know, a person who's suffering from a disease and I have feelings or whatever nonsense. And then he like kills her crewmate and, and oh my God, (laughs) and thinks that she would like to see her dead crewmate's face grafted onto his own. Yeah. She doesn't hate you because you're ugly. She hates you because you're experimenting on her, holding her captive and just ripped off her colleague's face. You're ugly on the inside. Yeah. Wow. I just, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, I wanted, I, I had this thought in the other Vidian episode, but in this episode, it made me just wonder even more, how is this disease transmitted? Why don't more people in this part of the galaxy have it? Why is it just one race that has it? Um, and why are they not getting infected when they come into contact with them? Yeah. I don't really understand that. seems like, because he, he wanted, he thought maybe Klingons will be resistant to this disease, right? So yeah. that must mean they've done this with 
many other races in this part in their region of the galaxy. So you would think that there would be other aliens who are infected with the disease, with the phage. But it seems like it only affects the Vidians, and other aliens don't even have to worry about coming into contact with them because yeah. they have the aliens in their mine mining camp who don't have it, even though they're like living in a Vidian facility. So yeah. I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, in the the first time we meet them, I kind of just assumed that it was only like Vidians who could get this, but that's clearly not the case. So I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. It's not... It doesn't doesn't seem to make make sense. sense. Yeah. That's all that I really had to talk about in this episode. The only, like, last thing I had written down was when they beam onto Voyager, everyone in that transporter room must have been so confused. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, a Klingon? Where did this Klingon come from? And, wait, is that B'Elanna? What is going on? That would have been... My last note was, they just left all those people? Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. Like... I guess so. Hmm, good point. Okay, so the next episode we watched was Jatrell. In this episode, we meet this scientist who created the weapon of mass destruction that killed all of Neelix's family years ago in a war, and hundreds of thousands of Talaxians on this planet or moon Rhinax yeah I I just didn't really love this episode for some reason it just didn't really do it for me I don't know I what did you think I liked things about this episode I think like with the last one they were trying to do something like interesting and then they fumbled it at the end yeah and like messed it up I I did like getting a little more, like, character stuff about Neelix, because he's just been kind of an annoying, like, comedy relief character up until this point. So getting more of that was interesting. I also... This is something I didn't like, but it's maybe, like, good that she's not perfect. I got really frustrated with Janeway, both this episode and Mm, a little bit in the next one. Because Neelix is clearly not ready to deal with this trauma, right? He is not ready to face the person responsible for him losing everyone. Yeah. Like, actively responsible, right? And he tells them about how, like, horrifying this was, and then Janeway and everyone else is kind of like, okay, but you should you should do it anyway. And even when he, even though he is he knows that, like, he could die. He would still rather not have to face this person. And they still kind of pressure him to do it. And I just thought that was not great. Janeway's usually very, like, thoughtful and kind to her crew. Yeah. And it just... I didn't... I didn't think she made the right call. I didn't like that either. And it didn't make any sense to me that the doctor couldn't learn to do whatever it was that yeah. Jatrell... The, the medical exam Jatrell wanted to do on Neelix, that doesn't make any sense to me. That would have been a way reasonable compromise. Yeah. You know? Obviously, the doctor would have figured out that it was a farce, so... Yeah. I mean, that's why 
<laughs> they didn't do it, but it just didn't make sense that he couldn't do it. Yeah. I also didn't love that later when he explains to Kess that he, um, he like deserted, right? He didn't join this war because he did not believe in it. And that's part of where like this guilt he has comes from. She, she like reassures him that he was still like brave and he was sticking to what he believed in, but then connected his like guilt with his hatred as if they were like the same and they're, they're related, but he, his guilt for not like being part of this war is not at all the same as him hating the man who like created this weapon that killed his whole moon. Yeah. They're not. (laughs) Yeah. He did. He has every right to like be mad and he doesn't have to forgive that guy. He can just like not ever want to interact with him. You're not obligated to forgive people because they feel bad. Yeah. It's not as if someone who wasn't a deserter would not also hate this guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. That man was kind of like, oh, boo-hoo, my wife left me and took our kids because she thinks I'm a monster. Yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I had very little sympathy for that guy. Like, I appreciate oh, that yeah. he, no. like, is living with that and is miserable, but, like, that doesn't mean that Neelix has to put any emotional energy into trying to forgive him. Just, like, leave him alone. Agreed. I had no sympathy for him, yet I also just wasn't that impressed with Neelix in this episode for some reason. Yeah. So, I don't know, this episode just was not very satisfying for me, I guess. Yeah, I get that. The only things I really liked about it were just, like, the actor who plays Neelix having the opportunity to, like, flex a different muscle... And the backstory, like, just getting that more information about Neelix that makes him a little more, like, complicated. Yeah, definitely. One thing, though, that I hadn't thought about that hit me like a bus was when they were talking about how old Kes was. I had forgotten that the Ocomp only lived to be nine years old. (laughs) Yeah. She's like two, right? Like two or three? I I think so. I, I didn't look it up, but I, I remember, um, one of the things I remember about Voyager from having watched it back in the day is I remember there's an episode where they're celebrating Kessa's birthday. They like bring Mm. out a birthday cake for her. And I think she might be turning three in that episode. I'm not sure. So yeah, that's weird. She's like two years old. Yeah. (laughs) And she's. In a relationship with someone. Yeah. And I like, mean, clearly she's matured fast, right? Her species matures yeah. quickly. Yeah, but the life experience of, like, a woman... Like, she's an adult woman, but she's still, like, two years old. She's still, like, two years old. And Neelix has, you know, lived a whole life, lived through the war... Then became a scavenger, then, like, swoops in and rescues her, right? It's all... Yeah. Not great. It's not great. Yeah. Like, I feel like they didn't have to make the Ocampa, like, live that long. They could have... 
just yeah, not done they that. didn't. They they didn't have to do that, and they certainly could have done that, and then not also made one of them to be in a relationship with anyone. You know, yeah. like they could have yeah. been just I don't know. Her relationship with Neelix is so like non-existent for the most part, anyway. Yeah, that's right. also true. Like, like, they say they're in a relationship, but they don't really seem to be. I mean, other than yeah. being, like, very good friends. Yeah, it's not great. It's weird. It's weird. It's all, it's weird all around. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention today was that we've gotten through the whole first season, and I'm, I'm, we haven't gotten, like, a Kess episode. Um, she still has only ever appeared in order to, like, support other characters. Yeah. Um, including in this episode, where she's basically just there to support Neelix. And in every other episode that she's had even kind of a significant role, it's been to, like, support the Doctor or to support Neelix or, um, in the one where Janeway and Paris travel back in time on that doomed planet she's just she has her like telepathic things happening Mm -hmm. just you know to help them to to move that plot along so I haven't really I still haven't really been very interested in her character but I do recognize that that's partly because they're not really yeah. Giving her any of her own stuff, you know. She yeah, she only ever not treating her well. Like the writers are not treating her well. And it's weird because why did you create this character yeah. if not to like let her have her own things? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they could have just like this would have been really annoying, but they could have just like combined her and Neelix into one character. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, morale booster, like, comic relief, who also is really nice and helpful and, like, supports people and still has, like, his same dark backstory. Like, he could have just, like, mashed that all together. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I still just feel weird about Neelix and Kess both. And if anything... Well, I don't even think I can say I like... If anything, I should maybe like Neelix a little better just because he has... Well, now he's had at least one episode that's like a Neelix episode. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It's it's It feels weird because there are these other characters that I really like Yeah. on the show. And Neelix and Kess... I don't quite understand what they're doing with them, but hopefully that all gets better in season two. Yeah. The only other thing I have written on here about this episode that doesn't really have to do with the main plot is there's this moment in this episode that stood out to me as someone who knows about the night sky because Neelix says, from Talax, you could see Rhinax in the sky. You could see the glittering lights of the colony, I think is what he said. So this sounds like if, say, there were a colony on the moon and, you know, they had artificial lighting that you could see from Earth 
at night. Like, so that's kind of what I'm imagining mm-hmm. he's talking about here. Because you could kind of imagine looking up at the moon and seeing the artificial lights of a colony on the moon. But here's the thing. You would only see those if it's nighttime on the moon. So it's not like you would see that all the time. Because if you look up at the moon, it's a full moon. You're not going to see mm-hmm. artificial lights. You're going to see just the moon with the sunlight hitting it. So he gives this, like, pretty speech about... Because I think it was when they arrived at Rhinox and it's on the view screen and it looks all destroyed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's looking at it and he's like, you could see the glittering lights of the colony from Talax. And then on the night of the Metreon Cascade or whatever it was called, the, um, the weapon of mass destruction when it was deployed, there was a a blinding light and then it was gone and then the sky seemed empty somehow and we didn't realize it immediately but it was because the like you couldn't see the lights of the colony mm-hmm. anymore i was trying to picture this and it wasn't making a lot of sense to me because if you have a moon in your sky sometimes you might see the artificial lights of a settlement on that at night and sometimes mm-hmm. you would only be seeing it in the daytime. So it's not like you could say all the time you could see the lights of the colony. Um, and then I don't see how you could, like, not notice that the lights of the colony disappeared when they disappeared. Because, so, have you ever seen the new moon in the sky at night? I want to say... <laughs> Yes, but I feel like that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, the answer it's is no, no because it's, you can't because there's no light reflecting be- off of it. Because yeah, well, but not only that, it's for a couple of reasons. One, it would be totally dark and it's not that you wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to see it because when we're seeing the nighttime side mm-hmm. of the moon, earth light is still hitting the moon, and that's why when the moon is a little bitty crescent, Mm-hmm. You can see the rest of the moon there. Yeah. And it's a little bit brighter than the sky, than the background sky. But when we're seeing the nighttime side of the moon, it's it's really only up in the daytime because the moon is in between the earth and the sun. Mm-hmm. So at new moon, the moon is going to be rising with the sun and setting with the sun. So you don't see it in the sky at night. So the only time that you would probably see, like, some kind of artificial lighting from a, a a human settlement on the moon would be when the moon is, like, half full or a crescent. It would depend on where the settlement was, mm-hmm. of course, but it would have to be only partially illuminated by sunlight. But it would have to be partially illuminated by sunlight, otherwise it wouldn't be up at night at all. So a crescent moon... You only see for like the few hours right after sunset or mm-hmm. right before sunrise. It's not in the sky. It's not in the night sky for very long. Crescent moon is mostly up in the daytime. But if there were some kind of artificial light on the moon that we could see from Earth, it would be visible. The, probably the best time to see it would be when the moon is a crescent and you would only see it in like the last or the first couple hours after sundown and then it would go it would set with the sun Mm -hmm. so it just 
didn't really make his little like speech. I was trying to make sense of it and it didn't really make sense logistically. And, and there's no reason that anyone should really care, but it, it's just something that I noticed that I figured I would mention <laughs> those, for the, I appreciate for the thrill those of facts it. about the moon though, because I hadn't really thought about how I only see the crescent moon like for like a little right bit after sunset yeah and like now that you say that it makes sense and i'm like oh yeah i i've even noticed that like hey where'd the moon go like what happened and i hadn't thought about why so mm-hmm. yeah so basically the moon rises and sets at different times mm-hmm. depending on what phase it's in because what phase it's in depends on where it is relative to the earth and the sun so a new moon rises and sets with the sun. It'd be right next to the sun in the sky. So you're not going to see it at night. And a full moon is opposite mm-hmm. the sun in the sky. So a full moon rises at sunset, sets at sunrise. Right? It's the total opposite. And then you can extrapolate from there a half yeah. moon or a quarter moon, um, depending on which quarter it is, rises at noon and sets at midnight, or vice versa. Um, and so the more fully lit the moon is, the longer it's up in the nighttime sky. Mm-hmm. And the the smaller the phase, the more crescent-like it is, the more it's up in the daytime sky. So there's a little bit of moon phase knowledge for you, I guess, um, that I thought of when I watched this episode. It would be really cool if there were some kind of settlement on the moon we could see from Earth. Although the goal should always be to not be able to see artificial lighting (laughs) from that far away from somewhere. Because that just means you're creating light pollution. Although that's probably a bigger problem on Earth than on the moon because we have so much atmosphere. So maybe maybe it wouldn't really matter on the moon if you're... Um, sending lots of light up into the sky other than it's just a waste of energy. Yeah. Because any light that goes just upward off the planet out into space is just wasted. Like, you're not using that light. Light needs to go down toward the ground at night, not up into space. Anyway, that's probably enough about something that really has nothing to do with the episode. (laughs) It's just a little throwaway line that... uh, caught my attention. Do you have anything else about that episode? No. Most of my feelings about that episode just have to do with like being glad that we got more Tuvok, not more Tuvok, more Neelix like characterization and then being frustrated with Janeway for one of the like one of the first times, right? Which is fine because like Janeway shouldn't be perfect. (laughs) But yeah, definitely. I was, yeah, that was good. disappointed in her, but that's fine. I still love her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last episode that we're talking about today and the last episode of season one is called Learning Curve. In this episode, Tuvok, well, there's like the two plots. So the mm-hmm. main plot, I guess, is that Tuvok is assigned to train some of the crew members who came from the Maquis crew. Mm-hmm. And have had a lot of trouble integrating with the crew and becoming Starfleet officers. And then the other plot is that the gel packs, the, I guess, I think they're called bioneural gel packs, are 
getting infected. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of viral infection type stuff in season one of Voyager, yeah. which is <laughs> not really what we want to think about right now, but Voyager keeps <laughs> bringing us back to, like, virus <laughs> things. But, okay, whatever. So the, these bioneural gel packs that are part of the computer infrastructure of the mm-hmm. ship are infected with something, and they're trying to figure... And they're all, like, dying and failing and causing yeah. chaos for the ship, and they're trying to figure out what's going on with that. So... This was another episode that I definitely for sure remember from having watched Voyager years ago, especially for some reason, the headband, Tuvok telling the the crew member with the headband that she couldn't wear the headband. That really is something that has stuck out in my memory. I don't know why. For some reason, that has stuck out in my memory over the years. Yeah. So what do you think of Tuvok training the Maquis crew members? I feel like it was a terrible idea. And it's... Because I I like Tuvok a lot, right? But the whole Mm -hmm. way this thing happened was just terribly planned and Mm -hmm. not at all thoughtful. So it starts out because Tuvok, like, has run in with the one member of these, like, four people who they end up training. Yeah. And... Like, he tells him off for, like, doing something incorrectly. And I think it is perfectly reasonable for, because of, like, the situation they're in, to have, like, sets of, like, rules and policies in place so everyone's on the same page and everything works properly. It's fine. But I felt like if when the Maquis people do something wrong, they, like, discuss it with them in a, like, more thoughtful way... A lot of this would just not be a problem because instead they yeah. have this little argument and then he goes to Janeway and Chakotay and J- Janeway's like, okay, just like pick the people who you think are like problem people and we'll give them this training. And like they, they're trying, they're trying. They're not like, like, it's not like they don't want to help. Right. So, yeah. and they're not recruits and they get put through this really yeah. intensive training that is oh, also yeah. embarrassing with no very... real explanation of, like, why yeah. they're picked, right? Like, other yeah. than you're the ones who, like, cause the most trouble. He says to that one guy whose name I don't remember who's, like, blue, like, oh, yeah, you Chill. talk too much or whatever. If my boss is, if, like, my boss or my boss's boss came up to me and was like, I heard you've been talking too much, so I'm going to make you run laughs around the building, I would leave. But I couldn't yeah. leave. Because they're stuck on the spaceship. So there are other ways <laughs> they could have dealt with this. Yeah. Whether just making it like a more, like more, having more people involved in the training so they didn't feel singled out. Not making it so intense. Because again, they're not recruits. Give them training. Yeah, I didn't quite right? understand that. The physical parts of the training were like, he was like, all right, run 40 laps. Yeah. And then he starts to say, but, and he says, 50 laps. I'm, okay, that's a lot of running. And then the when he, like, really takes them for their actual, like, physical training run, mm-hmm. it was, like, 10 kilometers or whatever. Yeah. And crawling through Jeffrey's tubes and increasing the gravity. It was very yeah. intense. And on top of all of the, like, intense physical stuff they have to do... 
He also has them running through places that are, like, populated with other crew members, which is embarrassing. Yeah. And also weird, because he said something about having cleared Deck 13 for our activity today, but there were still people walking around. Yeah, it was weird. I just spent a lot of this episode baffled by it, because, again, if they were, like, recruits who were coming to Starfleet, fine, whatever, you have the way that you do things, still don't like it, that's probably why Torres dropped out because it's like insane um but these people like aren't they're stuck in the situation at least like be kind and like flexible which is the message of the episode i guess but it took too long to get there felt like he was just trying to like start a mutiny (laughs) yeah and i guess to be fair it wasn't tuvok's choice to do any of this oh yeah he just I mean, there clearly was a problem when they had their little encounter between him mm-hmm. and, and Dalby at the beginning of the episode. Like, there is a... That's not good. You shouldn't have that kind of discord. And so he brings that up, and he was just kind of noting it. Yeah. He was just saying, like, yeah, I had this problem. I'm not sure what we want to do about that, but it was not good. And it was the captain's idea to do this Oh, yeah. Training. To be clear, I, I think Tuvok like, did not do a good job, but I don't think it's his fault. I think yeah. it's he Janeway's fault. He was just doing, fault. like, the best that he could yeah. with his his own yeah. knowledge and training. Yeah. Right, he, but yeah, Janeway was the one who... Well, and Chakotay. And Chakotay, Chakotay yeah. could have done them. more to say, I don't think this is going to be the best way to do it, or he could have done... I don't know. I think he and Janeway both could have done more to yeah. create a better experience for yeah. these people for all of inc- for all of them including Tuvok right they just threw Tuvok <laughs> at this problem and were like just yeah. do what you would normally do and he eventually like gets to the point where he's like oh I shouldn't be doing things the way I normally do but if yeah Janeway and Chakotay had even been paying like more attention to what was happening or cared they could have stepped in and like helped right or even like if Janeway I understand them not wanting Chakotay to like be the person managing the program right because they wanted them to like get better about like working with Starfleet people but Janeway could have like done day one and then Tuvok yeah. could have like taken over from there Chakotay didn't help, though, when he punched that guy in the face. Yeah. I, like, agree and disagree with that idea that Chakotay shouldn't be the one training them because he's Maki. I I understand. She said, because the captain, Tuvok suggests that, right? Or one of them suggests it. And the captain is like, no, because, you know, he already has their respect. It's us who needs to get their respect. So you should do this, Tuvok. But Chakotay would also probably be a better option for, like, just getting them on the path and, like, convincing them that they need to learn to be Starfleet. I don't know. I I agree with you. Yeah. And, yeah, it didn't have to be all Tuvok. Why couldn't it have been both on alternating days or something? I think the three of them could have worked together to kind of design. They could have talked to Tuvok about what he was going to do, designed a program that made sense, had conversations with the, like, four people. Mm-hmm. And it would have gone a lot better instead of them being like getting like not doing what Tuvok said and then Chakotay just being like, listen, I don't care. You should do what Tuvok says. Or when Tor- when Bellana and Harry see that guy cleaning the floor with like the equivalent of a toothbrush, I guess. And they're yeah. both like, oh, like that's weird. But whatever. Like no one stopped to question it. 
It was just not a well-designed training program, I guess, yeah. is, is what we're both agreeing on here. Yeah, um, But like I would say I would love to climb through the Jeffries tubes on a starship. I don't know yeah. why. I think most of the times that people have to get into the Jeffries tubes on any episode of Star Trek, it seems like they don't want to do it because they have to, like, squeeze into a, a crawl space and or it's, like, claustrophobic or I don't know. But it's always looked really fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, but maybe I, I don't really get claustrophobic and I'm a fairly small person, so... Maybe it's just because it's more doable for me. It seems like fun, but it seems like it would be really fun to crawl around in the Jeffrey's tubes. I would I would be down for that training. I would let Tuvok chase me all around the Jeffrey's tubes. <laughs> Not the running so much. I don't like running, but yeah. climbing through Jeffrey's tubes, I would I would yeah. be interested in. Yeah, when they got to the end of their 10 kilometers and Tuvok was like, all right, see you tomorrow for the same thing. Yeah, what? I wanted There's to no die way. and I wasn't even that, running. Okay, I, I understand like wanting to get people to be better or like wanting to get all the crew members on the ship to be like in really peak physical condition mm-hmm. and like having that knowledge of how to maintain your physical fitness. But you can't just go from these crew members are not fit to do a run like this but we're going to do it anyway until they're, like, totally wiped and then make them do it again. They just wouldn't be able to do it. There's no yeah. way. It doesn't make any sense. So. Oh. <laughs> you texted me about the get the cheese to sick bay line. That was a yeah. very good line. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. So the <laughs> other plot, at some point they eventually realized that the infection is coming from this cheese that Neelix has been making because there's, like, the bacteria that he's using to make the cheese, and the it turns out in the end that it's not even the bacteria, it's a virus in the bacteria that has infected the gel packs. But when they figure it out, that when they figure out that the cheese is the culprit, they're all in the <laughs> dining hall? I don't know if it's what the... if it's called the mess hall or the whatever but they're all in the kitchen or whatever with Neelix and the cheese is in this like container they've put the cheese in a container and then Bellana says get the cheese to sickbay it was a fun line (laughs) that might be my favorite line of the season and then the way that they eventually solve the problem is by like heating the ship up to give the gel packs a fever to fight the virus with that was kind of interesting there's a really funny moment as, like, various systems are going down when Harry is like, we're going to lose life support. And Tom, just in a very exasperated tone, is like, well, the propulsion's down. Like, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I get, yeah, like, that, you should that. you should let everyone know. But also, <laughs> there are, like, bigger problems we happening. We don't need right. it right now. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Propulsion can be down. I really liked... The moment at the or toward the end, like when the fever has done its job and they're ready to like bring everything back online, when the doctor, who's a hologram, so he's perfectly fine. He's like completely <laughs> comfortable. And he he calls the bridge, I think. Um he was all like sick beta bridge, and everyone on the bridge is like nearly unconscious because 
they're so hot, yeah. I guess. But one of them manages to respond, and the doctor is like, looks good. I think we can start bringing everything back online. He's all, like, normal and chipper almost. And then they pan over to Kess, who's, like, <laughs> collapsed, basically. And it's just, like... <laughs> drenched in sweat and she just kind of like looks up like this is the worst day of my life i regret ever coming on this ship (laughs) and the doctor's just like (laughs) totally fine Uh, oh and i should say i'm really enjoying um or i'm enjoying more and more chakotay and tuvok's relationship because Obviously, Chakotay has reason to really dislike Tuvok, but he's being very professional about it. But he still, like, gets in these little digs. <laughs> <laughs> like when Tuvok said uh, in the in the Beowulf episode, when Tuvok said, there are no demons in Vulcan literature. And Chakotay said, that might account for its popularity. There's just, like, little things like that <laughs> that he says. It could be very problematic that he's doing that. It could be, like, very tense. But because, somehow because Tuvok's a Vulcan and, I don't know, I just, like, get the feeling that Chakotay is, is doing it to, like, let out a little steam, but he does actually want to be able to work well with Tuvok. Yeah. And get along with him. I don't know. Would you agree with that or do you think it's a problem? I think I agree with it. I don't think it's that much of a problem i kind of like don't even feel like he dislikes tuvok yeah right like i'm sure he's not he's still like upset at him right but i don't feel like he like really hates tuvok or anything i kind of wish i knew more about what their relationship was like before all of this yeah it would be Uh, really interesting i don't think this happens but it'd be really interesting Mm -hmm. if any of the episodes are like flashback episodes to when they're serving on chakotay's ship together i'd really like to see that one thing that I had not thought about until this conversation, which seems obvious, is, like, what it means for Tuvok to be doing the training, considering he, like, a, the spy, spy, a, a spy on the Maquis ship. Yeah. I hadn't but, thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> that actually is a really good reason that he maybe shouldn't be the one doing yeah. the training, because the, all the Maquis may feel really weird. Chakotay is handling it well, but... yeah. A lot of the other Maquis crew members might be very upset about how this guy was a spy on their ship. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that doesn't come up in this episode. But I did at least, in this episode, see a little bit more of how there are Maquis crew members on the ship who are not happy and are not integrating well, which is what you feel like should be the case, and we haven't really seen that up until now. We've just seen, well, we've mostly seen Maquis crew members who are doing fairly well. And then this episode was really about how that's not the case. There are plenty of Maquis crew who are very, very unhappy. So I have a Starfleet question. Okay. So they're clearly very strict about their uniforms because Tuvok made these up until now unnamed Maquis characters take off all of their like jewelry and stuff like that. Do you know if there are like any sort of allowances for like additional adornments if there like are like reasons for that? Like religious reasons or something? Like do you ever come across that or is everyone just okay fine with it? If I had my shit together, I would have looked up information on something that I meant to look up before we recorded. So the the Bajoran earring that he makes mm-hmm. Garon take off, that's 
as I understand it, the those earrings that the Bajorans wear are like a religious thing. Oh. And um so in Deep Space Nine, there's a Bajoran character who's in the main cast, but she's not a part of Starfleet. So in the in the Deep Space Nine main cast, there's like the Starfleet officers who are okay. The station was built by the Cardassians, and it was a Cardassian space station during the time of the occupation. But then the occupation ended, and Majorans took control of the station, but then they requested Starfleet to come and run the station for them. But there are still Bajoran officers on the station. So the Bajoran officer who's second in command on the space station is Major Kira, and so she has an earring that she wears all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And she's she's not Starfleet, so she wears her Bajoran militia uniform or whatever. And so, of course, for them, for the Bajoran militia, they're allowed to wear their earrings, and that's fine. And I was trying to remember, because there's a Bajoran character in Next Generation who... I want to say something also happens with her earring. She's in Starfleet, and I forget if she, like, starts out not wearing it, and then they realize that it's important to her, and she should be allowed to wear it, and they let her wear it, or vice versa. Or if she, like, Mm -hmm. starts out wearing it, and they also make her take it off. So... I meant to figure out what the uh, official Starfleet uniform protocol has said about Bajoran earrings, but I didn't, so I don't know. The only other thing that I would like to point out about this episode was that it starts with us back at Janeway's novel. Oh, yeah. And it's very charming, and I hope... What I want is for us to slowly get bits and pieces of this novel, and then, like, three seasons from now, we have most of the story just, like, done. I (laughs) I think that's what will happen. You know, when the characters are in costume like that, I'm pretty sure they're wearing, like, actual... Oh. They're wearing actual... Because in other episodes and movies and stuff, they'll get off of... They'll leave the holodeck, and they're in their costumes, and so... You can just imagine how, like, whenever anyone goes to the holodeck in costume, they have to, like, walk there and then walk back to their quarters or whatever in whatever getup they're wearing. I love that. So they don't show it, but you can imagine the captain, like, walking down the halls in that outfit that she's wearing in her novel. Do you know if... Wait, I was about to ask a really stupid question. I know the answer to this question already, but what I was going to ask was, do you know if anyone from, like, the other 90s treks make cameos on this show? And the answer is they don't, because we're the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> well, actually, I think, well, there are a couple things. So, for one, I think we will see actors who played roles in other... In fact, I was I just pulled up the episode list on wikipedia for voyager and i was looking at the first three episodes of season two that we're going to be watching the first one is the one you said where like they find amelia Earhart, which (laughs) is interesting the second one says chakotay encounters a kazan youth who is on an initiation right to earn his name by killing an enemy or be killed in the attempt I'm wondering if that's the episode aaron eisenberg guest stars and plays a kazan Oh, yeah, it is him. So he plays Nog on Deep Space Nine. So he's not playing the same character, but he he guest stars in this episode. 
coming up. So I'm kind of excited to see that as a big Deep Space Nine fan. And Nog is a really great Deep Space Nine character. So I think there are probably some other actors who show up, but, well, I think there are definitely some other actors who show up and play different characters, but I do think we're going to encounter, I can think of at least one instance where we're going to encounter characters who are in an episode of Next Generation. So I won't say any more about it. I don't know when this episode is going to come about, Mm -hmm. but I think we are going to encounter some characters who are not part of the main cast or anything, but who appear in an episode of Next Generation. Uh, Beyond that, I'm not sure. I mean, they're trying to find ways to get home and or even to just communicate with home, even if they can't get back. So there could certainly be some episodes about ways that they try to establish communication and could potentially communicate with people that we see in other treks, but I'm not sure that that happens or not. So I think I would, oh, you know what? I was just going to say, I think I would have seen things online, like screen caps and other stuff about it. And I, mm-hmm. it did, I did just remember actually seeing pictures of them interacting with someone from another Star Trek series in some sort of maybe time travel scenario or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we might encounter a number of characters from other Star Treks, but we'll see. I'm still keeping track of, or I'm planning to keep track of, haven't had much opportunity yet, but I'm planning to keep track of how many Alpha and Beta Quadrant aliens we encounter. So far, it's really just the Romulan, but now also kind of Klingon, <laughs> if you yeah. count Bolana being split into <laughs> a human and a Klingon. So we have seeing a Klingon in the Delta Quadrant. What's your favorite episode of this season? Is it still the I, um, yeah. the 40,000 light year transporter yeah. thing? Yeah, I think that's still my favorite episode. I think that's still my um, favorite as well. Th- that, like, set of episodes and then that set of episodes last week are probably overall my, like, favorite groupings. I also just really liked the Suska episode. Yeah, that was a good episode. Um, I think those two were, oh, yeah, Prime Factors and State of Flux. So those are probably my two favorite, with Prime Factors being my favorite mm-hmm. episode so far. Do you have a favorite character so far? I think Janeway and Tuvok, maybe, depending on the episode. Mm-hmm. I also, like, I love Harry a lot, but I think don't think I love him quite as much as like Janeway. Yeah, and he just hasn't really had, he's another character that honestly really hasn't had a yeah. big opportunity to shine. He He's had more opportunity than Kess because he at least had, yeah. we at least had a Harry episode in the one where he goes to another dimension or whatever yeah. happens to him. I think Harry has the potential to be an actual favorite one if he had more like time yeah. to do stuff. We need a little bit more from him first. Um, and of course the doctor. Oh, and yeah. God, I always forget about the Doctor, which is dumb because I love him so much. I think my two favorite characters are probably Tuvok and the Doctor, and I'd probably Mm -hmm. give, for season one, I'd probably give favorite character to Tuvok, but they're pretty close. As far as favorite episodes, I also really liked the Beowulf episode Mm -hmm. for, like, different reasons, right, than the more serious episodes that I liked. Oh, so I also wanted to ask you, maybe we can end on this because we've been recording mm-hmm. for a long time already, but um, I wanted to ask you if you have any predictions for what may happen in the future on the show, like whether it's character specific or just general 
overarching plot mm-hmm. or what? Do you have anything well, you think that's going to happen to any of the characters or anything? I guess I, I, I don't know. I don't even know how I feel about whether or not they're going to make it home. Well, at this point, it's hard to imagine how they could make it home if this is a seven yeah, season series and it's supposed to take them decades. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, God, we're probably going to get some really dumb romantic relationships yeah. that I'm not going to like or like not hate but won't be excited about like probably like H- Harry and Bellana because they're the like on like two of the few. Yeah. It's like one of the only women, right? I also wouldn't be super surprised if like Chakotay and Janeway had a like brief romantic thing. But I like that they don't seem to have that at all at this point. Yeah, me too. I really enjoy that their relationship is very, like, friendly and they really, like, like and respect each other without it ever getting romantic. Because I feel like that's an obvious thing that they could have done. And it's nice that they aren't. Is there anyone you want to be in a romantic relationship on the show? Not really. Not at this point, at least. I don't feel strongly about anyone. I feel similarly at this point. There are very few people who I feel like at this point I wouldn't, like, roll my eyes at being in a relationship with anyone else on the ship. Like, I don't... Like, I, it's not, like, a situation where I'm indifferent. Like, I don't think I like any of any possible relationships, except for mm-hmm. maybe Harry and Paris. <laughs> um, yeah. Right, like, I'm not really into any of it. But I also feel like that's going to happen at some point, right? They're going to pair yeah. people up over a seven-season show. Yeah. This is not a, a prediction, but I want to know more about those sisters that Harry and Tom are dating. <laughs> yeah, I wonder or like if we'll meet them. I don't know with. if we'll ever meet them or if they're we'll just gonna only always be named hear and about off them. camera. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there are characters like that in other Star Treks where you only ever hear about them. There's this character in Deep Space Nine that at least three times, maybe three or four times through the course of the show they mention who's, like, a male character but has babies and has, like, multiple babies at (laughs) once, but they're also... He might not be humanoid. It's easier nowadays. Back in the 90s, it was a lot harder to create alien characters who were not humanoid, right? Because they all have to be played by humans, so the easiest thing is for a human to wear some kind of makeup or costume, but it's still going to be vaguely humanoid. But in theory, there's lots of non-humanoid aliens around as well. And so having those characters that are mentioned but don't actually appear is a good way to give the illusion that, yes, on this station, there are also people who are not humanoid. Okay, so now I have questions. Yeah. One, so that character you mentioned, is that a Starfleet fleet character like are there non-humanoid starfleet people oh yeah for sure i think he is starfleet okay well then question number two are these sisters not humanoid i think they i think tom has said they're human oh okay oh yeah maybe he was like there are only so many humans on board we've got to start pairing up yeah something like that oh all right i low-key got a little bit like, interested in this idea of them pursuing these, like, not-at-all-humanoid characters, because that's just a delightful, like, headcanon to have. I'm, like, mad I can't remember the name of this character. Well, maybe I'll figure it out and talk about it next time, because I can't think of it, but 
we've been recording for too long. <laughs> we need to end this. All right. So, um, cool. We finished season one. Yeah. Yay. Time to start season two. I'm very excited. So I'll talk to you next week. All right. See you next okay. week. Okay. Bye. <laughs>